Colossians 2, that's why I said media team, yeah, thank you. Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7. I wrestled with this text a while ago, and I've been playing with it since we finished our first service. And I, I really believe that if we receive this and hear it with clarity, God is going to give us some, some pieces. And so I want to challenge friendship, keep going. I want to challenge you to keep going. Because there's some of you in the room today that got some tears to release so you can get to the other side of the breakthrough you've been praying for. You have a hand, you have a hand to lift to get to the other side of the breakthrough you've been paying for. Uh, you've been paying for it in your emotions. And I want you to get to the other side of it. And Paul tells us how to in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. It says this, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Look at somebody around you say, keep going. Come on, just keep going. You may be seated, even in the presence of the Lord. The Lord's about to break some emotional bondage in this place. He's about to break some emotional bondage in here, and I'm grateful for it. My, this morning, my wife and I were in prayer, and she began to share something with me. And I told her, I said, you know, there's this, this, this unnecessary and discontentment that I can sense in our church in the spirit I don't see it in the flesh just yet, but I know it's in the spirit. And I want to break whatever undercurrent wants to take out what God wants to do for God's people in this church and in this city. And the way we're going to break it is what, by what Paul says, that when we see that just as we received Jesus, continue your life in Jesus. I've been working out, my wife and I have been working out consistently, you heard me talk about it a lot as I, we've been putting some things forward. I appreciate the cafe for doing some healthy snacks and food. I just believe that we need to be fully in whole faith, family, fitness, and finances. And as I've been working out, there's one thing that I know what I want to do. I know what I want to become. I know what I want to look like. I know what size I want to look like in my own mind and estimation. Never been there before, but I want to do that. And I've been in the gym. And what happens after you work out, the first week is just fun, isn't it? You get there, you lift, you're feeling good, you're taking selfies, you're putting them up. Look at me, catch me next year, catch me outside. How about that, right? You got all this stuff going the first week. The second week, when the pounds don't go off, God, do you hate me, right? God, do you not like me? Why can't I lose no weight? The third week when nothing changes, but you feel better, but nothing changes. And then the fourth week when somebody begins to tell you you look good, then you want to do it, then nobody tells you you look good, and then you wonder, is it still working? And then I remember my wife uh, last week, she said, babe, not last week, the week before last, she said, babe, I want to go to the gym. I want to go back to the gym. We're going to go today. Cam wants to go to the gym. And I sat there and said, I ain't going. She said, why? I said, because you ain't tell me I look good. And she's like, what? I'm sitting there like, all this time we've been going to the gym. My clothes still, my clothes started feeling loose. Now they're feeling tight. Am I gaining weight? Is the washer broken? Because I think my clothes are shrinking in the dryer. Like, what is going on? My wife said something so powerful I want to tell you. She said, babe, don't stop. Just keep going. 
Now, it's so basic, right? Like, so basic. You hear that? Don't stop. Get it. Get it. Don't stop. Keep going. Because you know. But the thing is, my wife had to remind me of the end goal that we've constantly communicated. You know what you're going to get to. You know it's possible. But what you don't know is what your body really can do if you keep going. What you don't know is how you're going to feel if you keep going. What you don't know is what you're possible and able to do if you keep going. But you can find out if you don't give up and you keep going. There are emotions you haven't accessed because you you give up too soon. There are people you haven't connected with because you give up too soon. So my word to somebody this morning, I don't want you to give up on the business. Keep going and find out on the other side because I know it feels heavy and difficult, but if you consider what God has done thus far, if you keep going, there are limits you've never been able to understand or ascertain. There are clothes you've never worn. There are people you've never met. There are streets you've never drove down. There are clients you didn't know existed. There are cities you didn't even know were on the map. There are flights you haven't taken yet, but you're giving up because you can only afford Southwest. But God says if you keep going, there are cities and countries and food food labels and clothing lines and places you don't even know exist yet because you give up too soon. And so the the name of success starts and ends with consistency. Being consistent in our thinking, our feeling, our doing, our future, our past and opportunities. You've got to keep going. Don't die in the waiting room, but keep going. And Paul's telling the church of Colossae that very principle as he writes this letter. He says, you may not know the future, but you do know the past. So keep going. We don't believe Paul ever visited Colossae or Laodicea, but Paul was told by Epaphras about threats to this congregation. The people of Colossae were devout followers of Jesus, but some of them had questionable practices. And so Paul writes this to call out those practices in the book of Colossians. He says, here's what I'm calling out, chapter 1, verse 16. Paul says, you're worshiping the stars and you're not worshiping God. Paul denounced them and denounced the idols the very same way he denounced them in the book of Galatians. Because their issue, Brandon, was that they were so consumed with astrological thought and not theological thought. The issue was, watch this, they were trying to connect the stars and connect the dots. They didn't trust the one who put the stars in place in the first place. Can I put a nickel in the meter and park right there? The issue with a lot of us is we're sitting here trying to connect the dots and not trust the God who gave you the vision for the dots in the first place. So you think that if I, get, if I go to college by 18 and then if I graduate by 22, I get my master's by 25, I get married by 30, uh, then I have my first child by 32, I buy a house by 35, I retire by 65, and so you get mad when your dots don't connect because your life is living by trying to connect the dots that you don't trust the God that gave you vision in the first place. And so their leading of connecting the thought dots um, was so consumed with astrological thought because they were more concerned about worshiping on Jewish holy days than the Jew that came and died for them. So their belief was that human destiny was not in the hands of God. 
He wasn't saying, Paul in Colossians was not saying the Jewish holidays were bad. Paul was saying you cannot worship Jewish holidays. The adherence to tradition and the adherence to holidays and the adherence to stars caused them to think that stars were more important than Christ. And whenever, hallelujah, you think tradition and holidays and dots are more important than Jesus, you get distracted from the one who made it in the first place. Um, So Paul says, here's what I want to tell you. Put your trust in Jesus. And when you put your trust in Jesus, that's all that matters. Jesus will connect the dots. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Jesus makes your tradition have weight. Okay. (laughs) Christmas don't matter without Jesus. I know, I know, but Santa, Pastor Justin, Christmas don't matter without Jesus. Okay, Easter, okay, do you know Easter, all it is, is the first Sunday after the lunar eclipse? That's all it is, big deal. Easter is nothing more than the first Sunday after lunar eclipse. What made Easter have weight, because that happened for hundreds of years, was Jesus died. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh Uh-huh. Your holiday and your tradition means nothing without Jesus. And it shows us that tradition can't fight Jesus. Holy days don't make you more powerful or connected to Jesus. All it, what makes the holy day important is Jesus. Okay, so Paul, knew, let, me, let me just put your nickel in the meter and park there one more time. We're about to celebrate 75 years next Sunday. And if you forget Jesus on the way to church next week, I'll rebuke that spirit. Because the reason we're here for 75 years, Jesus. I know you didn't like some of the pastors. I know. I know you didn't like some of the musicians. I know you didn't like some of the deacons. I know you still don't like some of the pastors. I know you still don't like some of the musicians. I know you still don't like the music. But you know what matters here at Friendship? Jesus. And the only reason we're here? Jesus. The reason we got another 75? Jesus. So if you show up next week without Jesus, I rebuke that spirit. But I wish I had about 18 folk in the building real quick that can say, the reason I showed up? Jesus. The reason I can't wait to celebrate? Jesus. The reason I can't wait to rejoice? Jesus. And the way we can save 75 on our 75 is Jesus. See, some of y'all got quiet because the only reason we're here is for somebody who don't know Jesus to find out about Jesus. So I dare somebody to bring Jesus on our 75 so we can save 75 on our 75 because upon this rock I will build my church and Jesus. I wish I had a witness. So so Paul knew them and while he didn't plant the church Epaphras knew them and taught them. And so Paul writes this in chapter 1, verse 15, 22. He begins to sing a hymn. And it's so beautiful soteriologically that to get to common ground, he says, remember Jesus? Remember Jesus? The one who you planted the church around? Look at what he says. Look at your Bible. I won't make it up. Verse 15, he says, Christ makes the church visible. Christ makes visible what's invisible. That's verse 15. Verse 16, he says, no spiritual being can move without Christ. Verse 17, Christ brings coherence in the universal. Uh, Verse 18, Christ is to have the first place in everything. Uh, Verse 19, Christ 
is everything God is. Uh, verse 20, God chose Christ crucified to bring us in harmony with God. Uh, these are the truths about who Jesus is, who he was, and who he continues to be. Um, this impressed the church at Colossae. They would have grabbed their attention because it was common ground. It was truth. Paul sings a hymn. They listen to this hymn. He sings an old gospel song. And as Paul gets this common ground, he then says, okay, great. Now I got your attention. Here's my concern. Because I'm not concerned about your knowledge of Jesus. I'm not concerned about your desire for Jesus. I'm concerned that you're inconsistent in your faith. Okay, you know Jesus, you desire Jesus, but any wind can sway you away from Jesus. Uh huh. Your issue is your consistency. It's like me going to the gym. Let it rain outside. Do I really need to go to the gym? Uh, life gets a little difficult. Man, that Big Mac just looked a little bit better today. That donut at Krispy Kreme just smells so good. Uh, glory to the Lamb of God. Because their issue was they were easily swayed by people, by fads, by situations, by tradition, and by life. And so they would take their attention off Jesus and put their attention back on astrological thought and holidays. What causes you to turn your back on Jesus? Like how bad does your day have to be for you to turn your back on Jesus? Oh, I know. I know you so saved. But let your boss send you the wrong email at the wrong time. And them words that are four-letter words that aren't Mark, Luke, or John that you praying through get real easy to find. Oh, don't, don't act like y'all super holy with me. You put that liquor in the back of the cabinet. I ain't going to do it this year. But then, yo... Your ex texts you. All of a sudden, you know exactly where that crown royal is. I ain't. What causes you to know Jesus, desire Jesus, but life can make you take your eyes off Jesus? What is the thing? I want you to name it today. What is the thing that says that, watch this, because when used well, your gift will build the kingdom. But when misused, it can destroy your life. You don't believe I'm serious. Um, Saul was so anointed, but his anointing misused was trying to kill people. So much so, watch this, that God fired him, but let him keep on living. I don't want God to fire me and let me keep on living. So Paul, here, here's the word. Let me just give you this really quickly. Don't live to say I'm sorry, but live to make the devil sorry. I'm a, that was so good. I'm a, some of us, we make decisions, and before you make the decision, you're already preparing your pr apology. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. I'm, 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 I'm back in y'all kitchen this week, too, huh? I said, you, before you even make the decision, you know it's the wrong decision, so you're already preparing your apology for the decision you know you ought not make because you're using your gift in the wrong lane because your anointing misuse can kill your relationship, can kill your children, can kill your future, can kill your reputation, can kill your community, can kill your church. So you're already prepared to say, I'm sorry. What if you stopped living to say sorry because you are not sorry, because God was not sorry when he made you, but what if you live to say, I'm going to 
to make the devil frustrated that what he meant for evil, God's going to turn it around and make it for good to build my home, to build my reputation, to build my church. I'm tired of saying I'm sorry. You are too anointed to compromise your gift for the sake of temporary distractions. Don't make a temporary, I wish I, don't make a permanent decision in a temporary place. I wish I had a witness in this Presbyterian church. You are too anointed to compromise who you are for the sake, I I wish I, about to say something about to slip out of my mouth. So Paul transitions, I'm almost done, in chapter two, and says, you know you, Colossae, You know how anointed you are, you know how powerful you are, you know how gifted you are, you know what you've got. So keep building your gift. Name your distractions so you don't allow anything to compromise what God wants to do in you. Don't change a thing. Don't leave the church. Don't question your ability. Don't run away because your family needs you. Your mother needs you. Your community needs you. Your church needs you. Why? Paul says, verse 6, because you have salvation in Jesus. That means I have a guaranteed lifelong relationship for eternity with the Lord Jesus. I can't give up on what God's calling me to because eternity is waiting for me. Why can't I give up? Because I have fullness in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why can't I give up? Because I'm rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why can't I give up? Because Paul says, verse 6, I am drowning in the blessings that because Jesus didn't give up. Can't give up because Jesus didn't give up on me. Look at somebody around you, tell them, keep going, keep going, keep going. So Paul reminds them about themselves and tells them, you, you can't give up. You can't give up. Watch it, because if it was supposed to kill you, it would have killed you a long time ago. You can't give up. You have survived 100% of the worst moments of your life. Keep going. I wish I had a witness in here. Y'all should have shouted and broke a bench. I said, you have survived 100% of the worst moments of your life. And if it was supposed to knock you out, it would have knocked you out. If it was supposed to ruin your life, it would have ruined. But I wish I had somebody in the building who can thank God that it went the other way. It, It went the way of grace. It went the way of mercy. It went the way of power. Go ahead, high-five somebody around you and say, keep going. You can't die here. You can't give up here. You can't knock out here. You can't lose your mind here because God is my refuge and my strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. They that run into him. I feel all right here now. I feel all right here now. I feel all right here now. I dare you to high-five somebody around you and say, don't die here. Come on, don't die here. Don't lose your mind here because though ye slay me, yet will I trust in him. I'm talking to dreamers who wanted to give up. Somebody toss your head back, say, keep going. 
I'm talking entrepreneurs who wanted to give up. Somebody toss your head back and say, keep going. I'm talking to people who want to throw in the towel on your health. Toss your head back, open up your mouth, and say, keep going. Why, Pastor Justin? Because eyes have not seen and ears have not heard, nor has it entered to the hearts of men the great things God has in store. Somebody toss your head back, open up your mouth, and say, keep going. I can't wait for the Sunday. Somebody breaks the bench in here and forces me to get a new one. Because your praise was so thick that maybe I was just dancing out every inner demon, every generational piece of trauma, everything that made me want to lose my mind. I'll break a pew in this place because God's telling me that it should have killed me, but I'm still here. I'm talking to folk who are abused. Keep going. I'm talking to folk who've been thrown out. Keep going because the same God that healed you then is taking you to mountaintops and taking you out of valleys. Somebody toss your head back and say, keep going hallelujah 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 I'm trying to lead that but hallelujah I'm trying to set free that emotional bondage hallelujah I said, I came for your emotional bondage today. I came for them tears you've been crying by yourself. I came for them times you cried on the freeway that God says, I saw you, I see you, and I know you. Somebody toss your head back and say, keep going. All right. Matter of fact, I'm going to do this real quick and I'm going to go to my points. I'm going to give this a moment for every parent in the building who's worried about your child. Every parent in the building who thinks you're not a good enough parent. God says, I see you. I see the prayers you prayed over your child. I'm going to give a moment for every parent in the building to shout for your child's future. Shout for your kid's future. Scream for your kid's success. Because God's got his hands on his mama. God's got his hand on his daddy. I dare some mamas to lose your mind for your child. Child. I dare some daddies to lose your mind for your child because God's got his hands on you. Paul says, how can I keep going? Let me give you these affirmations. Affirmations and I'm done. Number one, the reason you can keep going, number one, is because I am willing. Someone say, I am willing. I'm willing. Look what Paul says. I'm almost done. One thing I've learned in my life is life is not often about ability, it's about willingness. One of my practices here at Friendship is um, I hire culture because you can teach talent. You can teach talent. You can teach how to do certain things around here, but a higher culture, the right culture will build an organization, but the wrong culture, which talented, uncultured people will tear apart an organization, but willing, cultured people will build an organization. Some of the best people I've seen are people who are willing to be coached. Are you willing not to learn anything new, not to build anything new. But here's what I want to challenge you, church, as we go into our next 75. Are you willing to trust Christ? No, 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 no. Are you willing to trust Jesus fully? 
no, 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 no. Because Brittany sang earlier in the song, for your glory, I'll do anything. And some of us don't like sitting next to people that we don't know. Are you willing to trust Jesus fully? No, 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 no. Because some of y'all won't send emails off your phone because it's an iPhone or because it's an Android. And you can't even send an email because you don't like the email on the phone. But you sitting there telling God for your glory, I'll do anything. But you won't even send an email from your phone. You telling God for your glory, I'll do anything. But you won't talk to people in church you don't know. You telling God for your glory, are you willing to trust God fully? Look what Paul says. This builds upon what Paul says in verse 4. Verse 4, he says this, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Because while I'm absent from you in the body, I'm present with you in the spirit because I delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm in your faith in Christ is. The Greek here is straightforward. As you received him, the Greek there says, as you've walked with him. Brandon, what the text is saying there is, it's the notion that these individuals walked with Jesus when he was on the earth. And it's taken any little thing to make them stop believing the Jesus they've seen. It's taken any little thing to stop them from believing the Jesus that fed them. It's a reminder and a challenge. Paul is telling them, remember what Jesus told you? Remember what Jesus showed you? You've been instructed in Jesus. Don't you dare walk away from the truth you know about Jesus. Okay. Oh, I know, your boss is so bad. Oh, my God, right? Oh, my God, your boss is so bad and bold. But God puts you there. Uh-huh. Oh, come here. No, 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 don't, don't run away from me. You, 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 your, your, your friends are so bad. Oh, my God, that Facebook status was so long. But the Lord puts you here. Okay. That person in that ministry was so weird because they didn't say hi to you the first time you wanted them to say hi to you. So now I can't serve in church because they don't like me. Seriously? God put you there. I ain't scared of none of y'all. Uh-uh. Mm, no, uh-uh. I ain't scared of none of y'all in this room this morning. Because, mm, no, you, 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 they so bad. They so mean. But you know what Jesus has done for you. You know what Jesus has told you. You know what Jesus has gifted you with. I don't care if they don't stand while you sing. You better open up your mouth and sing. I don't care if they don't listen to you when you talk about Jesus. You better open up your mouth and talk about Jesus. You know why? Because I've spent too much time with Jesus to let anybody stop me from trusting what Jesus has already told me. You don't know what I've been through to make me talk about Jesus. How dare I let anybody make me shut up on how good Good God has been. God has done too much for me. I am willing to be consistent. I am willing to talk about him in season and out of season. I am, I don't care if you don't like me, I'm gonna talk about Jesus. I don't care if you don't like me, I'm gonna email about Jesus. I'm gonna Facebook about Jesus. Block me if you want to. God will let my friend share it so you see me too. Because I'm not gonna say, am I talking to anybody in the building? I God has done too much for me. I can't be silent. Satan don't got to kill you. He just got to get you to be quiet. That's the issue with Christians. We too quiet. 
No, we real loud. Matter of fact, let me just say this. Friendship, this is me as a pastor. This is a conviction. I put up a status yesterday on our church page about who's going to win the Kings versus the Warriors game. And we had more engagement on that post. Come on. Uh-huh. Yep, I'm pastoring right now. I ain't scared of none of y'all. Yeah, like 20-some comments about how many people, who's going to win the game versus the Kings and the Warriors. But when we ask you to comment on the live stream, I don't want anybody to know I'm watching. What if my boss wants to join this church? I don't want nobody to see me. I don't want anybody to know I go to church on Sunday. Seriously? But when I ask you who's going to win versus the Warriors or the Kings, y'all got hearts, y'all got emojis, y'all got gifs, y'all got comments for days, y'all sharing it. But when I ask you, what's the last scripture you read? I don't want nobody to know I'm in my Bible. Baby, God, I ain't even going to scream this. In the last 24 hours, God woke me up, took me to my closet to get clothes in my closet. God, not only did that, but my water was running in my house. I drove by a tent city because I don't live in a tent city. Um, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I got frozen food and fresh food. I wish I had a, I got a pantry with food in it too. I got Cheez-Its and I got options. I got Cheez-It mix. I got Cheez-Its for real. I got the fake Cheez-Its too. I got sliced cheese, shredded cheese, whole blocks of cheese, and you don't want to tell nobody about how good God has been. I got a car with gas in it. I put more gas in my car because I got long drives. I got, watch this, I got free time. I wish I had a witness in the building that nobody got to tell me what to do on my Saturday. I got free time on my Saturday. Am I talking anybody in the building? God's been too good to me. I'm not going to talk about Steph Curry more than I'm going to talk about Christ because he woke me up this morning. I'm willing. I'm willing. Story was told of a brother. He got robbed. And uh, someone found his journal. When they found his journal, they saw the brother tell the story in his journal. And they saw in his journal, he wrote down, he said, God, thank you that while I was robbed, thank you for the experience because I've never been robbed before. Thank you that while they took my wallet, they didn't take my life. Thank you that they took so much from me but they didn't take everything from me. And, and, and thank you that while I was robbed, watch this, I wasn't the one doing the robbing. I wish I... About to shout out of these sixes that God is so good that while I was robbed, I wasn't the one robbing. So I'm willing to thank God because I've got so much with me, I can get it all back. Look at somebody, tell them, I'm willing. Look at someone, say, I'm willing. I'm willing. Only I'm willing, I'm finished. Paul says, only my willing. Verse 7, he says, I'm stable. Look at the text. I'm willing. I can keep going because I'm willing. I can keep going, number two, because I'm stable. Look at the text. Verse 7a, I will continue my life in Christ. Why? Because I am rooted and I am built up in Jesus. Glory to the Lamb of God. I'm rooted in Jesus and I'm built up in Jesus. Let's break this down. Rooted there is as trees in good soil or as the graft that is rooted in the stock. Built is the only sure foundation of your confidence for hope and eternity. Established, Paul says, is I am persuaded in my decisions by the gospel in everything I do. And been taught is acknowledging that people have preached the gospel to you. 
Consider this imagery, that Christ is the ground, the soil, and he's my roots. According to Paul, all of that is in Jesus. Not just that, but not only is Christ the ground, the soil, and the roots, but Christ is the foundation for my stability. (laughs) That not only is he the ground, is he the soil, and he's the roots, but he fixes me so that I'm stable. (laughs) Why? Because of what I've already been taught. I can keep going to do what God's calling me to do because all Paul is doing is painting the picture of the power of salvation. (laughs) That when I say yes to Jesus, Jesus becomes the crown. (laughs) He's my soil and he's my roots because I'm grounded in Jesus. I'm rooted in Jesus. Watch this. That means not only am I found in Jesus, I'm fed by Jesus. (laughs) And not only am I grounded in Jesus, am I rooted in Jesus, but then Paul says, I'm established in Jesus, meaning, watch this, I'm not held accountable to other trees. I'm held accountable to the one who planted me. Because of one thing, the gospel. You can make it because of the gospel. You can't die here. Because of the gospel. Okay. Uh, I, I know, I know I've seen all these churches and people doing these big productions and stuff and making Jesus and Christ superstar and all this type of stuff. Let me tell you something. All it boils down to this. Jesus died. And the reason I could make it is because he didn't stay dead. And the reason I keep going is because he's coming back again. The reason I'm not worried because of the gospel. Uh, the reason I'm not concerned is because of the gospel. My degrees are good, but light and match to my degree. But, but the reason I can keep going, the gospel. The reason this church has been here for 75 years, uh, the gospel. Uh, the reason your ministry is not failing, the gospel. The reason your, your marriage is together, the, the gospel. And the reason I'm fed is the gospel. I'm faithful because of the gospel. I'm held accountable to the gospel. And let me tell you something, what should make you shout is that there's no failure in that gospel, that one true gospel. So the devil can tell you whatever he wants to tell you. But baby, I'm not built, hallelujah. But grandma put it like this, on Christ, the solid Rock, I said, oh, I wish I had a witness in this Baptist church. All of the ground is sinking sand. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name because I don't need my money. I got the gospel, and I know if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I'll get everything I need because of the gospel. So here's the challenge. I'm done. What Paul is saying is you know how easy you can uproot yourself from stability. Um, Because we love instability. That's why we love watching the news. That's why we love this Trump story. Why do you care? We love this Trump story so much because we love unstable leadership. 
I said what I said. I said, we love unstable leadership. We, we didn't care anything about what was going on in Obama's office because we had stable leadership. But as soon as instability came up, oh, we got to tweet about it. Up, oh, we got to put a video up about it. We love talking about our bosses instead of giving our boss a book to read or praying for, oh, I ain't, oh, y'all quiet. When's the last time you prayed for the boss that you want God to fire? Mm-hmm. When's the last time you prayed for the, your enemies? When's the last time you prayed for your mama? You waiting to fight her. I, when's the last time you prayed for your, I wish I, for your father? You waiting to fight them because we love instability. Jesus says, but because of the gospel, I am so stable that all I want is stability because we know how we are so comfortable uprooting ourselves from the gospel to get rooted in stuff that is going to be on sinking sand. I am talking in this place this morning. Oh, I'm talking. I'm down your street, in your alley, up in y'all's kitchen, making your, crisp, making your Sunday afternoon dinner. You know I'm right about it. Because your job would be different if you prayed for your coworkers. Your job would be different if you prayed for your boss. You're over here trying to quit a job that God said you prayed for. Matter of fact, you're trying to quit a job you prayed for. It's easy for us to compromise the future to uproot ourselves from the stability we have in the gospel, to find instability in other places. Could it be we have become so comfortable with unstable lives that we search for unstable lifestyles instead of leaning into the stability we have in the gospel? So the first thing we run from is the stable church to unstable relationships. You know we ain't good for you. Y'all having arguments over reading your Bible? I might as well lean. I'm going in your bathroom now. You know. You know. He ain't going to put a ring on it. You know she don't want a ring when you try to put on it, bruh. But then God shows you somebody that you love being with and love hanging out with, but you choose instability because they find. I ain't scared of none of y'all. You choose an unstable work environment. Unstable friendships. They get you to get out of the, your Bible, out of church. They convince you not to come to church on Sunday, to stay out later on Saturday. You tell them I don't go out on Saturdays. And they schedule every time you hang out on Saturdays because you want to be in worship on Sunday. And we choose instability when God has shown you what stability looks like. Could it be we are so much more comfortable with the misery of instability where we are comfortable not having impact because all the way I have impact is staying where I'm stable. It's amazing to me. We pray and fast that we can read our Bible. And you ever notice you wake up whenever you read your Bible, whew, God told me I'm loved, I got peace. And then you go a week without reading it. You, have you ever taken time to tell your spouse you love them every single day? And then you go a week without saying it and something feels off? And then you get comfortable not saying it and then you wonder why your relationship's falling apart? 
You take your coworker out to lunch once a week, our bosses, you begin to have conversations with your employees once a week, and you have standing meetings, and then you decide to forego your meetings because you're so busy, and then you wonder why production goes down. You ever read a book and see all the knowledge? You know this, the average book takes three years to write. That means whenever you read a book, you have three years of prayers and knowledge poured into you over the course of a week, but then you stop reading, and then you wonder why you don't learn something new. You ever start working out, and you see yourself lose the weight and then you stop doing it that's the same thing Paul says here you know what Jesus can do for you don't uproot yourself from the gospel but stay in your gospel I want you to distance yourself from what you know causes you to be unstable I am talking today I'm talking, my voice stayed, my voice stayed for this service. I don't know what happened. My voice is kicking right now. I feel good. I said, I want you to distance yourself from what makes you unstable. You know what makes you angry. Why are you going? Woo! You know what makes you cuss. Why are you going? Am I helping anybody? You know what makes you not read your Bible. Why are you doing it? No, no, no. I don't want you to see that as rhetorical. I want you to answer the question, why are you doing it? Why? Why? Why, why, why are you? What is it? What is it? Escapism? Are you so dissatisfied with your life that you feel the need to escape it? Paul says, Jesus is the only stable thing we know of. The only solid rock we know of. Stay in. So where do you feel the most grounded with Jesus? Do that more often. Who do you feel the most grounded with Jesus with? Hang out with them more often. What if you gave more time to your stability in Jesus than your instability in the world? I think our hairline would be a little bit better. I think our gray hairs wouldn't come so early. I wish I had a witness here. I feel like our gas tanks wouldn't be as empty trying to please people who don't know Jesus when all you got to do is please Jesus in the first place. I feel our bank accounts would be a little more full because we wouldn't be wasting money on something that has no return because when I give unto God, it shall be given unto me. Press down, shaking together, run over. When I give unto the world, it will be taken from me and I won't know where it went because all I'm doing is finding stability in Jesus more than instability in the world. Oh, y'all, okay, I'm done. Number one, I can keep going because I'm willing. I can keep going because I'm stable. And I can keep going, Paul says, because I'm thankful. Look at the text. Look at the text. Paul ends this exposition by saying, be willing to walk with Christ, be stable in Christ, but then do this too. Be thankful for Christ. Look at the text. Abounding, he says here, to make continual progress with thanksgiving. Because God is the one who gave you the blessing. Here's what's powerful for how Paul makes this text live. What the astrologers and the false doctrines in Colossae did was displace Christ by making the people do more and learn more and find more. Astrologers didn't give room for gratitude. Astrologers only gave room for knowledge. So if I see the stars, I see destiny. If I see tradition, I see destiny. But what Thanksgiving does is Thanksgiving puts my focus back on the one who gave it in the first place. 
place. And it's extremely important for Paul. Paul says, thankfulness is better than knowledge. Being thankful goes beyond what you see. Being thankful goes beyond what you know. Being thankful goes beyond what people say. Being thankful goes beyond the human mind. Being thankful confuses thinkers. Because I'm not thankful for the stars. I can name the stars because I know the one who created the stars. I'm not thankful for the holy days. I'm grateful because of the one who makes the day holy. I'm thankful for Jesus because of what Jesus has done for me. And the world will tell you, church, look at the stars, look at your future, look at your job, look at your degree, look at your friends, look at your loved ones. But friendship, I'm thankful today, not because of what I see. I'm thankful because of what Jesus already did for me. I'm not grateful because of what I've got. I'm grateful because of who I know. And the world will tell you, will look at the church, look at what you've done in your life, look at where you went to school. But church, here's what I want to challenge you to do. As we go into 75 years of celebration, I don't want you to look at the stars. I don't want you to look at what people say. I don't want you to, because the stars make you look at your pride. The stars make you feel like you did it all by yourself. The stars make you reminded of your ego. The stars make you look at how good you are. But when you begin to think about Jesus, I'm thankful not for the stars. I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful for not to, not for what I've done, but I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm not thankful for what I see. I'm thankful for Jesus because when I begin to think of the goodness of Jesus and all that Jesus has done for me, my soul begins to cry louder than my voice can cry. When I think of the power of Jesus, my soul begins to scream louder than my body can scream. When I think of the goodness of Jesus, I begin to open up my mouth and tell him thank you. And the way that I know where I'm going is because I see what God has already done. Ron, I missed you last Sunday. Lauren, I missed you on last Sunday. Y'all have got to excuse a Baptist preacher because when I think of the goodness of Jesus, my soul begins to get happy. And I wish I had somebody who don't need me to be the one to tell you how good God has been, but to look back over your life and begin to tell God how good God has been, that God woke me up on Monday. He started me on Tuesday. He propelled me on Wednesday. He sustained me on Thursday. He held me on Friday. He drove me on Saturday. Y'all don't know when to shout. He kept you at Kaiser on Monday. He heard your name at Sutter on Tuesday. He restored your mind at your job on Wednesday. He restored your body on Thursday. Oh, y'all don't know when to shout. He kept you on straight street. He kept your tears from flowing. He kept your hands moving. He healed your body. Is there anybody in the building that can help me close this sermon and begin to find one reason to give God glory and keep on praising until the things begin to change. Keep on praising until things turn around. Keep on praising until it turns in your life because I'm willing to trust in God. I'm stable in the gospel of the Lord, but I'm thankful that the Lord props 
lifts me up uh, on every leaning side. The Lord uh, holds my hand. Is there anybody here that got a praise on the inside that can open up your mouth and praise him through your storm? Praise him through your battle. Praise him through your pain. Praise him through your worry. Praise him through your debt. Praise him through your healing. Praise him through your frustration. Because I came to tell you that I have not seen and ears have not heard. Go ahead, high five somebody and say, you can't die here. You can't die here. Go ahead, high five somebody. You can't die here. You can't die here. You can't die here. Cancer can't kill you. Your mind can't kill you because all I know is one Friday they crucified him. One Saturday he stayed dead. But three people go ahead walk around this church tell them don't die here keep going 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 with tears in your eyes keep going with frustration on your mind keep going with your body falling apart keep going because though ye slay me I will trust him say say yeah yeah yeah!